Well, let me take this moment to extend a very warm welcome to you all, especially to those who are visiting us online for the first time. Whether you're just browsing, looking for answers, or searching out a place to worship, then we're just delighted to have you here. Well, for the next couple of weeks, these morning devotions are pre-recorded in advance while we transition to recording our services from the church. So thank you for your patience. It was our hope to see many of the restrictions lifted by the middle of September and therefore we had planned to host a welcome home service for Sunday the 12th of September where we could worship together without the social distancing. Well sadly with the rise in cases of Covid throughout North Asia we may possibly have to delay this event. Therefore we'll keep you updated over these coming weeks. But let me still encourage you to join us at Stevenson High Kirk for our morning service at 10.30. This is a short worship service where we keep to one metre social distancing and continue to wear masks. So please contact Margaret Durham if you'd like to confirm a place. Well, we were saddened to hear news this week of our dear friend Anne Dixon who passed away. Well, Anne was such a faithful member and an elder here at the High Kirk. Her funeral will be held this coming Thursday at 10.40am in the church. Again, we would appreciate if you could let us know in advance for track and trace if you hope to attend. Well, please continue to remember Anne's family in your prayers. Well, in Psalm 99 we read, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. Well, let's worship together as we sing in our opening hymn, Just As I Am.
Well, let us unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Our covenant King and faithful God, this morning we come to your banqueting table under the banner of your love. We also come to an ocean filled with mercy, forgiveness, goodness and grace. Oh, let us swim in that ocean this morning, that we would be refreshed in your presence, cleansed of all our sins, washed clean in the streams of Christ's purity and clothed with power from on high. Oh, renew us, refresh us and revive us, reconcile us and return us to our first love. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, our prayers may be weak, our hearts may feel dry and empty, but the cry of our souls and the groaning of the Holy Spirit is strong. Therefore fill our dry hearts from your inexhaustible fountain, and may the doors to the treasures of heaven be open, that we may have access to Christ's unsearchable riches. Oh, you have promised that all who are thirsty may come, those who are poor, empty, dry, burdened and needy. You invite us all to come freely, without money, without price, without works, simply leaning and trusting on Christ, our Lamb of God. Oh, as we behold Christ, our Prince of Peace, may our hearts find rest this morning, reconciling us back into a relationship of covenant love, knowing peace with God. And so in Jesus' sweet name we do pray, giving thanks for the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory for ever. Amen. Well, I'm now going to invite Daniel to read to us from the Word of God. Thanks, Daniel. We now read from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 to 19. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of God. To him be all the glory. Amen. Well, I confess, I love the Gospel of Mark, but I also have to say that I have a heart for Mark himself. You know, we're told that he was the cause of heartache and disappointment. He'd been the cause of division between possibly his uncle Barnabas and the Apostle Paul. He must have felt an absolute failure. Some believe Mark is describing himself there in chapter 14 at verse 51, where we're told of a young man who followed Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And when the soldiers seized him, he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Well, although... Mark tripped and stumbled along life's journey, and although he felt maybe an absolute failure, 
he could point to one who was no failure. He could point to one who was not a disappointment. But I'm so glad that it wasn't all failure in Mark's life. The Apostle Peter refers to Mark as my son. And the Apostle Paul, at the end of his ministry, said, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. But you know, Mark would be the first to say, I'm nothing to look at, but look at Jesus. Now it's possible that it was through Peter's preaching that Mark came to know the Saviour. But Mark's gospel isn't just an account of Peter's sermon notes. No, this is a declaration of Mark's own heart as well. He's under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. What he's written here is the very word of God. Oh, I love Mark's heart. Well, in his gospel, he's thrilled that in Christ the kingdom of God has come. But again, Mark wants to lift our eyes higher to the arrival of the king himself. For Mark, his whole life, his dreams, his passions are all caught up in his saviour, the Lord Jesus. He's the promised Messiah, the king of Israel. He's the son of man. He's a friend of sinners. He's the son of God. But Mark also wants to declare that Jesus, yes, he is the Son of God, the faithful servant. Well, Mark now brings in some witnesses who will show that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. And so he invites Isaiah and Malachi to witness to Christ. And then he goes on to show John the Baptist another witness to Christ. And then at the baptism, notice how Mark now brings in further witnesses. It's now the Father and the Spirit who declare, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Isn't that lovely? And so Mark here now, oh, his eyes are on Christ, and he wants us to look unto him to look unto Jesus, to put our trust in him. Oh, no one compares to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Mark's heart is that we would come to know him, not just to believe who he is and who he declares himself to be, but he invites us to come to know him personally. And so now Mark goes on in his gospel. He reminds us, Forty years in the wilderness, Israel failed. But now here's Jesus, 40 days in the desert, and he has the victory. Joshua, who brought the people into the promised land, God's kingdom, they failed in the land. But here's Jesus now, bringing victory. The first Adam walked amongst the beasts and was tempted there in the garden by Satan, and he fails. But here in Mark's Gospel, we notice the last Adam, there in the wilderness with the wild beasts, and he has victory over Satan. Yes, the king has come. 
We're told there how after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, that verse there reminds me of Isaiah in chapter 6. It was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isn't that lovely? And so, in a similar way, after John was put in prison, Jesus now proclaims the good news of God, for the time has come. Well, Mark is so excited to announce not just that the kingdom of God has arrived, but that the king has come. King Emmanuel, God with us. Well, it has to be said that Mark is very deliberate about his gospel. He wastes no time focusing on the birth or the genealogy of Christ. No, his heart is on the King. His heart is on Christ. Yes, he shares the amazing miracles of Jesus, but he doesn't hang around. No, his eyes are so Christ-centred. And so through the rest of his gospel... Mark invites us, oh, come and see. Come and see the anointed Messiah. Come and see Isaiah's servant king. Come and see Emmanuel. For the kingdom of God has begun. Come and see the shepherd willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Come and see the one who is going to deal with sin. Come and see the one who comes to set the prisoners free. He has done what Adam in the garden could never do. He has done what Israel in the wilderness couldn't do. He will rule and usher in the kingdom of peace. He will sit on the throne of David, holding the scepter of Judah. Oh, that's our king. Yes, all nations will flock to the mountain of the Lord. The blind will see, lepers will be cleansed, the lame will leap with joy. Oh, Mark gets so caught up with the king himself. And through the king the deaf will hear, demons will be cast out, those in bondage will be set free. Through the king of kings there is forgiveness, there's mercy, there's love, there's peace and there's joy. Even water can be changed into wine. And so Mark brings us to the Saviour. He brings us to the King, the Son of God. And now as we consider Mark chapter 3, there in verses 13 and 14, Mark brings us now to Christ himself there on the mountain, where we see Christ calling his disciples. Yes, he had been all night in prayer and it may be that it was during these early hours that the Father revealed to Jesus who he was to call. And so let's consider who were the recipients of Christ's call that day. Well, we notice that he didn't call prophets or priests or kings. He doesn't call super saints We notice he called sinners to himself, simple fishermen, criminals, murderers, lepers, prostitutes. He calls those with a history to a wonderful future. 
Now isn't that glorious? What hope there is for us, as Christ calls sinners. Yes, you may feel like a failure. You may feel that you've tripped and stumbled in your walk, in your journey through life. But here Christ comes to that mountainside and he calls Peter, John, James, Thomas, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, and the list goes on. He doesn't call super-Christians. He doesn't call the super-holy. Those who, whose life seems to be perfect, without blemish, without stain. No, Jesus here calls those who are weak, those who have sinned, those who have fallen short of the glory of God. Why would he call sinners? Well, we're told that the reason that Jesus called them was so that, yes, they would preach, that they would heal, that they would set captives free. But notice, before the preaching, before the healing, before the the power ministries, we notice that Jesus called his disciples to be with him. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Mark is deliberate with his gospel. Before the preaching and the healing uh, and the casting out of demons, we're told that Jesus called his disciples to be with him. Now, I think that's significant. To me, I recognise that that's the primary calling of the disciples. They have been called to be with him. And as they are called to be with Jesus, yes, then they will know a heart to preach. They'll know a heart to serve. They will have a heart to lay down their lives for others. They will carry the shepherd's heart when they spend time with him. And so Jesus calls them to be with him. That's the primary calling of the believer. Today, if you ever ask the question, What's my calling in life? Know that it's to be with Jesus. It's to be with him. To experience the power of God in our lives, we must spend time with him. We must be with him. Notice Moses there in the Old Testament. That was the desire, the primary desire of his heart was to know the presence of God to go with him. Look at David through the Psalms, how he desired to know God's heart above his wealth. Lord, thee, my God, I'll early seek. My soul doth thirst for thee. There, even in a dry wilderness, David's heart just longed to be with him, to be with God. There in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, We see the Shulamite woman desiring to be fed by the shepherd's tents. Oh, tell me where I can be fed. Go by the shepherd's tents. Do you remember the disciples of John? How when John had declared, behold, the Lamb of God, we find that these disciples went after Jesus. And there Jesus turns to them and asks them, what do you want? And what's their response? Lord, we want to know where you stay. Isn't that lovely? Here's John's disciples 
All they wanted of Christ was to know where he stayed so that they could be with him. And there in John 17, we can't forget, can we? There in Jesus' own prayer, how he desires that we would be where he is, that we would behold his glory, or that we would be with him. That's why Jesus calls us to be with him. To abide in him. If you want to know fruit in your life, if you want to know the fruit of the Spirit flourishing in your life, we must abide in Christ. We must abide in the vine. We must be with him. Oh, how Jesus desires that we would be with him, that we would behold his glory. And now I want you to just notice in closing the response to Christ's call. Look at the disciples, how they responded. And they came unto him. Isn't that lovely? They responded to the call of Christ to be with them. We're not all called to significance or to some exalted position in the church or in society. Jesus desires to call us to himself. Oh, that we would spend time with him that we would take this opportunity to be with Christ, that we would spend much time in his presence. Can I ask you a question? Are you fulfilling Christ's calling upon your life to be with him? Do you know, we can spend much time surfing the internet, even listening to sermons and messages And especially messages about what's wrong with the church, what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with the government. But you know, we can often spend very little time with Jesus. Well, I'll never forget the excitement on our daughter's heart when one of our church members would come to do the gardening. John was an excellent gardener. He was a perfectionist. And whenever he came to work away in the garden, our daughter would plead to go out and help in the garden. I would therefore go out to ask permission to allow our daughter to help out. Well, John was always delighted. I confess I was more concerned that our daughter would make more of a mess rather than be a help. But there she was, welly boots on, running out with her coat flapping, along with her bucket and spade. I'm sure she must have pulled out the odd flower as well as the weeds. But you know, to John, having our daughter's company was more important to him. He so appreciated her company as he worked in the garden. Do you know, the Lord knows that we can often make such a mess in his garden. He's not surprised when we pull out flowers instead of the weeds. He's more concerned that we respond to Christ's call. To be with him. Oh, will you respond to his call today? Why don't you stop the recording for a moment and pray in the quietness of your own heart and in your own home? Oh, may the Lord touch you with his grace, his mercy and his love. Well, let's worship together as we sing How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. Sweet. 
going to ask Bethany to lead us in our intercessory prayers. Thanks, Bethany. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, how we praise you this morning, for you are sovereign, not only of individuals, but of nations and governments. We thank you for your law of love and justice and grace, which is higher than any human law. 
O help us to seek to be true to your law above all else. In the coming days, guide those who will influence the direction of our nation. As we exercise our solemn duty to vote thoughtfully and prayerfully, awaken in us the knowledge that we are not called to hide our light, but rather we are called to shine for Christ our reigning King. Awaken in us a renewed commitment to faithfulness and service, a commitment to care for each other and to be good stewards in all areas of life. As we live in a broken world, may we experience hope in the midst of despair, joy in the midst of sorrows, faith in the midst of fear, truth in the midst of confusion and generosity in the face of need. In the quietness of these moments, we lift up the nations of the world, our parliaments, governments and councils. We lift up our families, friends and neighbours. We lift up our cities, towns and villages. From the highlands and islands to the lowlands, we ask that you would bring healing, streams of mercy, love and joy. Although the days seem so spiritually dark, we rejoice that we are citizens of your kingdom. Therefore, let your kingdom come in power and glory. O revive your church again. Come Lord Jesus, and may floods of revival flow upon our hearts and homes, and especially upon our nation at this time. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, let's worship together as we sing in the beautiful hymn, Rock of Ages. i uh-huh. 
now let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always. Amen.